Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC 253, Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday night in Yas Island, Abu Dhabi, Fight Island. The middleweight belt is up for grabs. And uh, this is the first time officially since Machida versus Rashad where you have two undefeated fighters fighting for the belt. Now, I know someone's going to tell me that. Uh, what about John Jones versus DC? Well, Unfortunately, according to the books, uh, Steve Mazzagatti fucked that up for John Jones because he gave Matt Hamill that win. But officially, this is the first time since Machida versus Rashad that we have two undefeated fighters fighting for a UFC world title, Shaq. Yeah, man, it's incredible because I think uh, we've been seeing this matchup, you know, in, in the making for Opta Florida Tavares. You know, Paulo Costa uh, knocked out Uriah Hall that day after. At the, I think it was International Fight, uh, fight Week. So, you know. It's been a matchup in the making for a long time. Two undefeated guys, uh, you, you know, a lot of misconceptions, a lot of truths. You know, I, I'm excited for the fight. You know, you got the precise, you know, professional kickboxer in Israel Adesanya versus the 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 power the power punching Apollo Costa with the body shots. Man, I, I'm, I'm I'm excited. And not only that, but in the co-main event, you got the vacant light heavyweight title because John Jones said like, Hey, I, I cleared out the division. None of y'all can beat me. So well, why don't y'all fight for this belt? And you got Dominic Reyes, the guy that made a sweat the last John Jones fight. And he's taking on Jan Blakovich, a guy who's criminally underrated, a guy who always flies under the radar and a guy who's truly turned around his UFC career. So this is a completely different matchup and uh, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm very excited for this co-main event too, Shaq. Reyes, look, Reyes puts a, he, a lot of pressure on himself. He's been Jan Blackovic knocks out guys that talk a lot. And, you know, Reyes, you know, he said he and Jones. It was a great fight. Can't necessarily say he beat him. He completely folded in the championship rounds. But, man, it was a good performance for a guy that, you know, whose best win was, you know, a, a, a questionable split decision win over Volkan Ozdemir. So, you know, uh, I'm excited to see how he performs. It's kind of a different spot against John Jones. You have nothing to lose now coming into this spot. You know, you kind of have everything to lose. So I'm excited for this fight. Blackovich, like you said, criminally underrated. Yeah, I remember when this dude lost four out of five and was on the verge of uh, getting cut from the UFC. I know you remember that Patrick Cummins fight back in uh, in New York, New Jersey, where he was putting his hands on his knees. I know you remember that Igor the Duke fight where uh, Jan Blackovich was looking for all type of ways out. So, you know, uh, the fact that he's gotten himself to this point uh, is very impressive and Man, if he wins this title, that'll be that might be one of the best career resurgences of all time. But yeah, no, I completely agree. That's what's so beautiful about this fight is that this is a completely different matchup. I mean, when you know that you're fighting John Jones, you wake up early every single morning, run those extra miles. This might be a situation where Reyes feels like John Blakovich, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he probably doesn't even take him as seriously. So we'll we'll see exactly what the deal is Saturday night, Shaq. And uh, before we start, got a couple housekeeping details to get out the way. Firstly, uh, as you guys know, you know, last week, shout out to everybody that checked us out live from the parking lot. And the reason for that was that uh, AT and T's internet is complete trash, and the slightest bit of rain. And my internet goes out. So we replaced them with Comcast Business. And yesterday, the Braves had a rain delay. The Braves Stadium is down the street from the crib. And uh, the internet did not go out once. So I think this is a step in the right direction. Second thing, 
I want everyone to wish my boy Shaq a very happy birthday. Shaq, it was your birthday yesterday, so everybody down below, make sure y'all give Shaq a happy birthday. Uh, if I know Shaq, I know my boy was out at the club throwing ones. Uh, how, how was your birthday, bro? <laughs> uh, no, we're saving that for tonight, man. No, I'm just kidding, but uh, yeah, man, it was good, man. I, I had to work on my birthday, so it wasn't the, the funnest, but I, I plan on making up for it this weekend. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And last but not least, you know, we got to rep the ATL Braves. Uh, shout out to the Braves clinching the NL East title. Once again, champions over here in the East Coast, but that's not enough. Got to take it a step further. World Series is up next, so stay tuned. And Shaq, uh, before we get down to business, just got to let them know they can tail our plays at bestfightpicks.com. And, all, and everybody, make sure you all subscribe to Half the Battle and give us a like down below. Now, Shaq. Let's get right down to business, man, because first up in the 205-pound division, we got a matchup between Kadis Ibrahimov. He's 8-3, and three, and Danilo Marquez is 9-2. and two. Currently, they got Kadis Ibrahimov minus 165. The comeback on Danilo Marquez is plus 145. So this is what I know about Danilo Marquez. He's six foot six. He's done some training out of King's MMA, and... Uh, Two fights ago, he'd be an 0-16 guy. Now, listen, I understand, you know, getting a couple easy wins, pad up the record, no big deal. But when your entire record is padded up, that's when I draw the line. So I can't confidently say I know what this guy brings to the table, except that he's huge and that he trains out of Kings MMA. At least with Cadiz, even though his three UFC fights haven't gone his way, he has fought legit competition, and Man, that last one against uh, Dolidze was just unfortunate for for Cadiz, not for Dolidze, because you knew his job might have been on the line. But it turns out they like this guy. He's aggressive. They're giving him one more chance. Do you think this is the fight where you can finally get that elusive first UFC win? Yeah, man. Uh, Danilo Marquez, man, from what I've seen, eh, I think he's a, a Damian Maya jiu-jitsu guy. Uh, and like you said, he's fought nothing but cans and I've seen him get knocked out by a can as well. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I think this is a, a good spot for Khadiz. Like if Khadiz can't get this one, like, man, that, that'll be really sad. Cause he, he should get this. You got the experience. You're the one that's been in there with Daun Jung and short fuse Herman and, and, uh, Roman. So, you know, like he should get this win. He's the heavier puncher. The granted, man, he the way he fights, I can't trust him. I mean, just because he he likes to use a lot of energy, and you know, he it's just kind of a lost fighting style. But I still gotta lean him for the win, man. I feel like Danilo Marquez is one of these guys. They kind of like him. Uh, uh, what's the guy that Eric Anders and Alonzo knocked out? Um, uh, Mamuch. Mamuch, yeah, Marrera, yeah, Marrera. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like he's one of those type of guys, like a complete uh, black belt bum. So, you know, I, I got a cut these for the win. I'll say by stoppage. Yeah, look, uh, this is nice of the UFC to be like, hey, Cadiz, I know you're just a kid. He's only like 26 years old. He fought these tough fights in the UFC. Here you go, my guy. Go ahead. Take care of this guy. But listen. The reason why it's a little sketchy, though, uh, Shaq, is because you you know the deal with that slight chalk. I mean, do you feel comfortable laying slight chalk on a guy like Cadiz, who I know the losses have been a higher competition, but, like, one of the losses was as recently as, like, a month or two ago. So has he recovered mentally from that? But that being said, this guy Danilo Marcus, man, uh, I mean, it's like, look, 
Because I know, you know, Jared Gooden, our guy, he's fighting Alan Juban. And I know when people break down that fight, they're going to be like, oh, he beat a 3-13 and 13 guy. Oh. And it's like, yeah, okay, he beat a 3-13 and 13 guy, but he also went five rounds with Mike Graves, who beat Vicente Luque and Randy Brown. He's also fought all these other tough guys. It was more so a case where the UFC was like, hey, get two quick finishes. Does not matter the opponent, and you're in. So it was like, okay, give me this 3-13 and 13 guy. I'll go finish him real quick. That's a different situation with Danilo. Marquez, he's consistently been fighting this horrendous competition. So I, I, don't, I have no idea what to expect from him. But that being said, I'll go with Kadi Sibragimov, first round knockout. Let's see what happens. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Jeff Hughes, he's 10 and 3, and the return of the ultimate fighter winner, Juan Espino, is 9 and 1. Currently, they got Juan Espino minus 300. The comeback on Jeff Hughes is plus 250. Now, I see a lot of people sketched out because Juan Espino is 40 years old. But listen, I'd be sketched out if he was a bantamweight or a lightweight. But at heavyweight, it seems like they get a second win towards their you know late 30s, early 40s. So the age isn't a concern for me. What's a concern for me is the fact that let's say he takes down Jeff Hughes early and dominates. But you know, let's say Jeff Hughes survives that. Will Espino have that 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 cardio and will be able to still get those takedowns in the second and third round. That's kind of my question here, Shaq. Yeah, man, it's a it's a good it's a good matchup because I think Hughes honestly is better than what he's shown. It's just I think it's something mental. I think it's he has something going upstairs where he can't pull the trigger because I think he's got good technique and he's got good wrestling. He's durable. I mean, like he can take a punch. It's just uh, the the inability to pull the trigger. And Espino, I really wasn't that impressed. I mean, he's got some good grappling, like some good wrestling. Uh, but, man, I, I'll, I'm very interested to see if he can hold uh, Hughes down for all three rounds. I, I, I definitely think Espino's the, the more talented fighter, but the, the layoff does worry me, even though he is a heavyweight, just because I feel like he has a, his skill set is very, you know, on the grappling, you know, if that doesn't work out, you know, is he going to be able to uh, to box? But at the same time, Jeff Hughes doesn't pull the trigger. But I wouldn't be shocked if it was one of those slow, sloppy, heavyweight uh, type of fights, you know, that was kind of a, a, a closer one than the line expected. I'll still go with Espino, but uh, it's a dogger pass for me. I agree. It is a dogger pass situation. It's like... One thing about Jeff Hughes, it's not like we're out here criticizing his takedown defense or criticizing his ability to pull the trigger and, you know, kind of dig deep in those big moments. But the thing is that with Juan Espino, he's very one-dimensional. He's great at that one dimension, don't get me wrong. It's just, is he going to be able to come out here, take him down, and submit him in the first round? There's a, there's a possibility, but if he doesn't, I'm worried about what happens down the stretch. And I also know that, you know, uh, Jeff Hughes, he's been training with great D1 wrestlers, uh, such as Stipe Miocic, the heavyweight champion. So I'm very intrigued by this fight. I feel like if it gets past the first round, this might be a live betting uh, opportunity. But I'm going to slightly lean with Espino just because I think that, you know, his biggest skill is better than any of Hughes' skills, but I would not be laying chalk in a spot like this. So let's see what happens. Now, next up in the 205-pound division, I know you're excited about this one, Shaq. We got William Knight. He's 8-1, and, and Alexa Kamor is 6-0. and 0. 
Currently, they got Alexa Kamer minus 165. The comeback on William Knight is plus 145. So back-to-back two uh, of Stipe Miocic's teammates. Are they his teammates or are they his punching bags? Because you know Jean Vellante wasn't just, you know, Chris Weidman's sparring partner. He was Chris Weidman's punching bag. So I feel like Stipe Miocic is out there at the gym teeing off on Jeff Hughes and Alexa Kamer. But back to this matchup. I kind of view William Knight as like a very green version of Derek the Black Beast Lewis. And let me explain what I mean by that, Shaq. You know, he's a guy that you're going to put him in some bad spots. He might take a couple unnecessary shots. He might give up easy takedowns. But you start to show any kind of weakness on a guy like a, like a William Knight, you start to slow down on him. You give him a dominant position, and he will capitalize, and he will finish the fight. So I love this guy's heart because I think the people – what the people talk about when they refer to William Knight is, oh, his physique and his power and this and that. Yeah, and that's all that's all well and dandy. But what I refer to is this guy's heart and his ability to stay in the fight as long as the fight lasts. So I got to say, I wasn't that impressed with Alexa Kamer in that debut. Look, he did his job. I, I got to give him credit for that. I just feel like he's still very green. There's still a lot of openings. So while he might come out here and control the early going of the fight, it's only going to take that one fuck up where he ends up on his back for William Knight to go out there and pound him out. So I think it's going to be a rocky early going, but eventually I think William Knight's going to find the finish. So I'm going to take him here for the upset, Shaq. Yeah, man. I- I've never been uh, high on Alexa Kamora. I know he had that flying knee on contender series but his opponents man are trash the duty the duty fought on contender series his combined opponent record was like three and like <laughs> like 40 something man like it's embarrassing and then uh you know he beat Ledette but going into that fight man you know not that I wanted to bet Ledette but I I, I was kind of sketched out about Kamora because I mean looking at Ledette fight you could see how tense he is in those exchanges and like he's very inexperienced he fought all bums in Ohio uh, and then that the Ledette fight, Ledette, man, he doesn't want to fight anymore. Ledette could have won that fight, man. Everything was there. It's just Ledette, you know, Ledette makes his own deodorant, man. Like, uh, you know, like Ledette makes his own soap, you know. <laughs> like, he believes uh, the earth is flat. Yeah, like Ledette's an idiot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But Ledette's not the brightest guy. And look at what Ledette's been on lately, man. Ever since Johnny Walker and Ratchet and all those dudes ran that train on him, man, it, it, it hasn't been uh, it hasn't been pretty. So uh, I think he kind of got somewhat of a layup in there, and I wasn't impressed at all. I, I felt like, man, if anybody else was returning uh, shots against this kid, he, he'd get knocked out. I can see how tense he is. But, hey, it's been a lot of time. I'm sure he got a lot better. William Knight, yeah, like you said, he kind of does put himself in bad bad positions. But I actually think even though he gives up some takedowns, but let's not forget, like, Brundage is like a college wrestler, like a, a good college wrestler. Uh, and I feel like Knight also gets take takedowns himself, man. I feel like he can get some takedowns. But where I really see him capitalizing is on Kamora's chin. I, I know he hasn't been knocked out or necessarily uh, dropped or hurt or anything like that. But, man, I, I see it in those exchanges. And uh, I think William Knight's going to find find a home for one of those hammers eventually, man. I feel like, yeah, it could be a slow fight. Both guys are green. But William Knight, man, he just needs more reputa- uh, repetition in there. And I think uh, and I think he's got more tools than Alexa Kammer. I just think Alexa Kammer's a tough kid that will push, you know. But other than that, I don't think he's very good. So I'll go with William Knight. And one real quick, w- one thing real quick. When we talk about green, 
Alexa Kamers had less pro fights than William Knight, and he hasn't taken his first defeat. You know it's always first L time, Shaq, so uh, I think this Saturday night might be the time. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Shane Young, he's 13-4, and four, and Ludovic Klein is 16-2. and two. Currently, they got Ludovic Klein, minus 120. The comeback on Shane Young is plus 100. Now, Shaq, initially I was really disappointed, and I'll tell you why, because... I had these, uh, you know, these dreams of grandeur of going out there and uh, betting on Nate Landwehr at plus 150 to plus 160 odds to go out there and defeat Shane Young. And the reason why is because, you know, Shane Young is kind of slow, kind of plotty, eats everything you show, keeps going, eats everything you throw, keeps going forward and, you know, waits for you to slow down. And a guy like Nate Landwehr ain't slowing down. A guy like Nate Landwehr has been five rounds in Russia, so I felt like Nate Landwehr was going to meet him in the center, give him the fight he wants, but just be the better guy. So I love the plus 160. But then I looked into this kid Ludovic Klein, and it's a completely different style as uh, you know Nate Landwehr, but I like what this kid brings to the table, first of all. He's got about as much experience outside the UFC as you can get. You know, 16-2. and two, that's a great record entering the UFC. He's also finished UFC vets viciously, so I like that. What he kind of has is he's got this nice southpaw style, pumps out the jab, the nice straight rights to the body, and eventually he likes to set up this signature high kick, which he's knocked out many people with. Also, his grappling isn't half bad. I mean, I know he was submitted like four years ago, but I feel like he's been making big improvements, and... One thing I got to say, his initial takedown defense is very good, but if you finally get him down, he's very hard to hold down. So I like what he brings to the table. Also, got to give a shout-out to Slovakia because this uh, Ludovic Klein is the first Slavic fighter in UFC history. So he's making history this weekend, which I really like. Now, as far as the matchup, Shane Young is one of these guys that is, uh, you know, he ain't the fastest, uh, he ain't the most athletic, but one thing he will do is he will walk forward the entire time. He's got an iron jaw, and if you start to slow down on a guy like Shane Young, he will tee off on you. My only issue with this matchup, Shaq, is that, you know, when Austin Arnett throws back at you, I, I mean, you know... If you're a UFC fighter, you probably laugh at those shots. You know, with Rolando D, no one took that guy seriously. But I feel like when Shane Young comes out here, starts going forward, starts eating some of these shots, I mean, I think he might get dropped. I think he might get badly damaged. I, I might think he I, I think he might even get discouraged to keep coming forward. And I think eventually Ludovic Klein will find that opening for that high kick, and I think he's going to come out here and knock him out. So shout-out to anyone that took the dog money on Ludovic Klein. I know the line flipped, so it might be kind of sketchy with a lot of people on him, but if you got dog odds on him, I completely understand, and I'm going to pick him outright to win this fight. Yeah, man, Ludovic Klein, he's uh, solid. I feel like Shane Young, you know, like you said, he's got a good chin. He moves forward. Man, I remember I, I bet on uh, Alexander Volkanovsky to, to finish this guy in under two and a half, and he couldn't do it because Shane Young was a, a tough dude, man. He uh, he took his 30-25 like a man, <laughs> and he and then he uh, joined the team. So, yeah, I feel like Ludovic Klein, it, it, honestly, yeah, I feel like he probably is slightly better, but now, now knowing that he missed weight and this is a short-notice fight, I'm not sure if his preparation is the best coming into this spot. And I know Shane Young's is. Um, so I do feel like technically, yeah, there's some openings, but 
man, Shane Young, man, this kid can take a punch. And I do feel like he's getting better uh, fight to fight. And what surprises me about him, man, his scorecards are like super wide. I know the fights have been in like Australia, but it seems like they're closer fights. But like the scorecards are like super wide, man. It's crazy. Uh, So, yeah, man, I'm actually going to go with Shane Young. I think he's going to be durable. I think he's going to lose the first round, but I think Ludovic Klein will probably start to slow down and feel some of that UFC debut fatigue, and Shane Young will take over. So I'm going to go with Shane Young. Now, next up in the 170-pound division, we got a matchup between the Ultimate Fighter 1 winner, Diego and the Nightmare Sanchez. He's 30 30 and 12, and Jake the Celtic Kid Matthews is 16 and 4. Currently, they got Jake Matthews minus 750. The comeback on Diego Sanchez is plus 525. Well, look, there's no questions asked. Jake Matthews should be a big favorite here. And, I mean, there's a chance he comes out here and knocks out Diego Sanchez in the first round. It's just when you're talking about a minus 750 line, this would be my biggest concern here, Shaq. My biggest concern would be that sometimes after Jake dominates these guys, he kind of has these sketchy third rounds, like against Boyan Velichkovic, even against Emil Meek. The first two rounds, it's like the best Jake's ever looked, but then once he starts to get a little fatigued, then he starts shooting from a mile out, and if Diego Sanchez is still there, that could be the spot where he capitalizes. But that that being said, can he even make it to that point in the fight, Shaq? That's my question. I mean, he made it to that point with Michelle Pereira and Michael Chiesa. Well, yeah, because Michael Chiesa, uh, I like the guy, but he can't punch. <laughs> and uh, and Diego ran away from Michelle Pereira the entire time, didn't engage with him at all. You know, the, the so-called ultimate fighter backed up the entire time. I mean, he was talking about putting people in, in ICUs and, and shit like that. And I thought that stoppage was complete horseshit, man. It's unfortunate, but uh, Michelle's on the on the be- bigger and better things now, so it's all good. But I think uh, Diego's completely done, man. Shouldn't be fighting. His coach is a joke. He's a joke. <laughs> you know, like, I-, I got respect for him, you know, because he is one of the pioneers. But what have you done for me lately? He has, he has that win over Mickey Gall, but look, Mickey Gall... Like, you know, he's a Mickey. I'm not even sure if Mickey can win a LFA title like that. And like, that's like the honest truth about it, man. Uh, I, I don't think he can win an LFA title. And I think that Diego Sanchez, I mean, I know Mickey had some health problems and uh, or went to the hospital or some shit like that. And I actually bet on Diego on that fight, surprisingly. But uh, yeah, so I feel like uh, Diego's taking too much damage. And after that Michelle fight where he pretty much got beat on, Michelle was just playing playing with him the entire time, man. He didn't stand it. It wasn't a competition. He might have landed like one punch the entire fight. Even the stand-up exchanges against Mickey Gall were terrible, man. He looked slow. Mickey Gall, honestly, man, should be ashamed of himself for losing that fight. But, uh, you know, I got Jake Matthews. I know Jake sometimes, like you said, uh, kind of will lay and pray and uh, have good, you know, two good rounds and then, you know, ankle dive all over the place. But, man, when the the firepower is a lot different coming back, man, you're talking young, fresh guys like Rocco Martin. Like, even though I think Mex a jobber, he's he's young, you know, he <laughs> like he's hungry. Uh, or uh, who else has he been? Shinzo Anzai, that was a finish, you know. Uh, Lee Jing Leong, you know what I'm saying? Like, the firepower coming back is just complete night and day. Diego Sanchez, look, I mean, I'm not going to shit on him too much, but he shouldn't be fighting. I think he's going to get knocked out here in the first round, so I'm going to go with Jake Matthews. 
Yeah, look, I I got Jake Matthews as well, but uh, I'll say this, man. Um, I'm going to say one thing, you know, to defend Diego Sanchez, and I'm going to say one thing against Diego Sanchez. The thing against Diego Sanchez is like, dude, what's up with this fucking yes man that doesn't know shit about fighting, that's, you know, chasing people around with knives inside an octagon and just being a total fucking weirdo, you know, trying to ride your coattails because you're at the end of your career. Like, it's disgusting. You know, and we say that because, like, we care about the Ultimate Fighter Season 1 winner. You know, he's a pioneer of the sport. He's a guy, he, when Diego Sanchez, you know, used to get on top of these guys, he used to pound them out. There was a point in his career where he was 18-0. and 0. There was a point in his career when he was 20-2. and 2. He He's a legend. But now, as far as uh, the Michelle Pereira fight goes, you know, with him taking the DQ, I don't think he would have done that earlier in his career. But in this specific spot, like... I know it's frustrating if you had Pereira, but I, I don't blame him. The way I view it is like this. There's no chance in hell he's winning that fight, firstly. I mean, he was getting his ass beat. But just think about it this way. It's the it's the end of the third round, and, you know, if you got a fishing rod and you put 100K on that fishing rod, you start to, you start to dangle that 100K in front of his eyes, and then you start to tell Diego, hey, you can either take this 100K and get the win or – don't take the 100K and keep getting – hold on, let me finish. Hold on, let me finish. Or don't take the 100K and keep getting your ass beat by this guy and uh, potentially get knocked out. So he was like, let me take the 100K and be on my way. I understand it. So he is the ultimate fighter or not? <laughs> I mean, he's got the title at home. <laughs> he's got the plaque on his wall. So, he's, so he is? Do ultimate, He's got the plaque on his wall. Do ultimate fighters ask refs if I stop? Do I get a DQ? <laughs> I don't think so. I, mean, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like if he did that early in his career, then it'd be like yo. But like at this point, where he's got no title aspirations, hundred K swing, I don't blame him. But we know we know going forward that that situation could occur again. So it's just something to note. But that being said, I got Jake Matthews. I feel like his power's been translating. I mean, he dropped Li Jing Liang. I feel like he's been doing some good things. Uh, just don't dominate Diego for two rounds, then gas out, then potentially let Diego get on top of you and pound you out. Uh, that's what I'd be worried about. But that being said, and the reason we have to talk like this is because it's minus 750. It's serious chalk. But I got Jake Matthews, most likely by knockout, if not unanimous decision. Now, next up in the 155-pound division, we got a matchup between Brad Riddell. He's 8-1, and, and Alex Leco da Silva is 21-2. and two. Currently, they got Brad Riddell minus 340, the comeback on Alex Leco da Silva's plus 280. Now, one thing I forgot to mention up top at the beginning of the show is this is basically an Australian or a New Zealand card. You know what I mean? If this wasn't the crazy times we're going through, this card wouldn't be on Abu Dhabi. This card would be in New Zealand or Australia. As you can see, most of City Kickboxing are on the card. It almost felt like last week's card was like a Brazilian card. But that being said, uh, look, Brad Riddell's got the beautiful kickboxing background. He still had less than 10 pro MMA fights, but it looks like he's making big leaps. And Alex Leco da Silva, I feel like he hasn't quite shown his best in the UFC yet. I was really impressed with his regional footage. You know, that debut, uh, I know you told me about how they had to lock him in the sauna to get him to cut those 20 pounds. And, you know, he kind of pulled a stun against Yakovlev while he was winning that fight. Then the very next fight actually was going out there and wrestling uh, against Vargas pretty easily. So 
I feel like we still don't know what his Muay Thai is like, and I'm curious to see what happens if he can't take down Riddell if it does become a striking match. So what, what do you kind of think if this is a three-round kickboxing match? Yeah, I feel like uh, if Leiko Da Silva can't cling on to him, can't hold on to him, he's probably going to be in big trouble here. I feel like Riddell still kind of struggles in the clinch, but it, it's improving. Uh you know, his last fight against Mustafaev, every time they were out in the space, he would hurt Mustafaev with the boxing. It would just be any time Mustafaev would clinch him, he, you know, he would get clinched for extended uh, periods of time, man. So I think uh, Leiko Da Silva has that going for him if he's able to hug him and, and get his back. But ultimately, man, I feel like Riddell's going to be probably a little better now, uh, separate a little sooner, have more sense of urgency and get on him with the hands and, and probably not... Uh, uh, Laco De Silva out, man. So I'm gonna go with Brad Riddell. He he seems pretty legit. Um, his fight with Malarkey, I wasn't that impressed, but I saw a big improvement to, in the Mustafa fight. So I'm gonna go with uh, Brad Riddell. I gotta admit, man, I've been underrating Brad Riddell because you know, Shaq, I have how I have this thing about like guys with less than ten pro fights, and also a couple of you know Riddell's regional fights. He's wearing rash guards and you know, beating up these, like, guys that have no business in there with him. So I wasn't taking it too seriously, but I got to tell you what, now I'm taking it seriously because this guy is no slouch at all. I could actually see with a couple more wins, he could possibly be a future top 15 guy. Now, Alex Leco da Silva is no slouch. You know, I, I I did like his regional footage a lot. It just seems like it's a different fighter in the UFC. Like, he was kind of like a Muay Thai guy on the regionals. Now he seems like he's more of a grappler. So maybe he's showing off his well-rounded skill set, or maybe he's not as confident striking with these guys in the UFC. I'm not exactly sure what the deal is. Um, so, you know, with a young kid like Leiko, let me let me look exactly how old he is right now. You know, he's only 24. He's just a kid, and, and he's already had, uh, you know, 23 pro fights. So, it's not going to surprise me if he gets the upset, but I'm also not calling it a dog or pass situation either. Um, I have to lean Riddell just because I've been more impressed with what I've seen so far. He's so precise, so calculated, so calm, comes from a great gym, so you know he's training all aspects of the game. And I have seen improvements in the takedown defense fight by fight. So I'm going to go with Riddell here. Would I lay it minus 340? Uh, I'm not quite sure, but I'll pick him to win this fight. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Hakim Duwadu. He's 11 and 1, and Zubera Tukugov is 19 and 4. Currently, they got Zubera Tukugov minus 140. The comeback on Hakim Duwadu is plus 120. So, a, a couple things I want to say about this fight, Shaq. So, I know people love throwing around this narrative about how guys with the, you know, last letters of their name being OV, you know, the OVs, oh, if they go to decision in Abu Dhabi, they're automatically going to win. Well, uh, Tukukov went to decision in Abu Dhabi against Lerone Murphy, and uh, he did not win. So what I'm trying to say here is that I know everyone remembers my famous quote about Muslim Salikov that uh, no guy named Muslim is losing a judge's decision in Abu Dhabi, and that turned out to be the case, but... This guy's name is not Muslim, but all jokes aside, uh, you know, this is a really good fight for a lot of reasons. And I feel like what it comes down to is this, you know, Zubar Atukov, he's got that beautiful left hook. He's got some wrestling. He's explosive. And, you know, he comes out hard out the gate. And that 
what I just said, he comes out hard out the gate, might be his key to victory because Hakim Duadu, for whatever reason, comes out slow out the gate. But once the fight starts to progress and develop and he starts defining his timing, you see some beautiful Muay Thai from Hakim Duadu. So, man, it's just one of those situations where it's like I could see him get starched early with that left hook or maybe give up a couple takedowns. But if you start to slow down on a guy like Hakim Duadu, I mean, he's going to go out there, start pumping those jabs, start getting off on those straights, start throwing knees, the leg kicks, the whole Muay Thai arsenal. So I feel like this is kind of a pick em fight. Right now we're seeing, uh, you know, dog odds. Uh, I forgot to mention the odds. It's uh, minus 140 Zuba and plus 120 Hakim Duadu. I think it should kind of be a little bit closer, maybe maybe minus 130 Zuba, minus 110 for uh, Hakim Duadu. So with this dog odds, I'm going to take Hakim Duadu to uh, to edge out this fight in one that I think should be a pick em. Yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, Zuba's better in the early rounds. Hakeem has better cardio and he gets better as the fight progresses. We've seen Hakeem get stopped early. Hakeem actually fought Zuba's teammate in World in World Series of Fighting two fights. Uh, you know, the first one was a draw and then he won the second one. So uh, it's actually like a revenge fight for Zubera. Zubera, you know, he had a nice showing his last fight against Aguilar, starched him up. But, you know, Kevin Aguilar and Hakeem Duwadu are uh, completely different fighters at this point. But, man, I've been impressed with Hakeem Duwadu as of lately, man, especially with that Julio Arce win. I feel like that was his first, like, you know, somewhat signature, legit win. Uh, I know he beat Kyle Boschniak. And I always feel like Hakeem's kind of holding back. I feel like he could beat some of these guys by a wider margin. You know, the the Asian poet, what's the kid's name? Uh, Ore, the kid from... Horie. Uh, yeah, Jorge. You know, Jorge with an H. Yeah, I forget what promotion he was in. Uh, and Pancrase, yeah. The uh, the, the Pancrase dude. And, uh, you know, he lost the first round in that fight. And so it's one of those things where at least he's dog money. Uh, so, yeah, I'm actually going to go. I know Zuba missed weight by five pounds earlier. I kind of switched my pick. That's kind of alarming. I was leaning him slightly. But you never want to play, play uh, pay slight chalk, man, for a fight that you think could possibly be close. So uh, it's better to take the dog. So I'll go with Hakeem as well. And one real quick note, we, you know, we just want to send out our condolences to, you know, um, our boy Abdul Manap Nurmagomedov. You know, I know uh, that's Khabib's dad, by the way. I know he had a huge impact, not just on Habib, but guys like Zuba. And this is the first time Zuba's not going to have him in his corner. And, you know, Abdul Manap, true legend and pioneer of, uh, you know, MMA over in that area of the world. So, you know, our hearts go out to them. And I hope that, you know, win, lose, or draw, that Zuba can still come out here and have a good performance. Man, you you know, Abdul Manap would have been chewing him out if he would have uh, had he had he been there if he missed weight. You know, um, let's just put it this way: he wouldn't have missed weight by five pounds with Abdul Manap there. I'll just tell you that much. Uh, Abdul Manap would have busted out the belt if you know what I mean, Shaq. So. Uh... Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Ketlin Vieira. She's 10-1, and one, and Sajara Eubanks is 6-4. and four. Currently, they got Ketlin Vieira, minus 185. The comeback on Sajara Eubanks is plus 160. Shaq, this is very interesting for a lot of reasons. And I want to know your opinion first, but, but let me preface it. So, you and I were very high on Ketlin Vieira at one point. I mean... You know, we picked her to win by second round submission against Sarah McMahon. We max bet her to beat Kat Zingano. And, but there were a couple, you know, head scratchers. Like in that third round against Zingano, you know, when she starts looking off to looking off away from the, 
you know, to, to the crowd looking up at the clock. We're like, Caitlin, like, you know what I mean? And then the fight was a split when we thought she clearly won. And then the next fight against Irena, um, you know, I know Irena's got great boxing, but to actually get one punch knocked out was kind of alarming. And I don't think Sajara Eubanks is going to one punch knock out anything. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's just that maybe we were a little bit too high on Ketlin Vieira. Now, on the positives, she's very big for the weight class. Uh, you know, she's got that Nova Uniao style, and she's got very good jujitsu, even some judo. She's got some nice trips. Uh, she's a very talented fighter. But I'm under the impression that, you know, she's had a couple surgeries, and I- I'm not entirely sure if it's the same Ketlin Vieira we were once dealing with. And with Sar- Sajara Eubanks, she's as experienced as they get for this weight class of standards. She's been in there with everyone. And I felt like I saw an improvement that last fight, just in the sense that we always used to say, oh, that first round she comes out hard, and then she fades. Well, last fight, she actually won the second and third round. So that's a step in the right direction. But I am kind of sketched about, you know, three weight cuts in three weeks. You know, the fight that got canceled, the Avila fight, not here, halfway across the world uh, against Ketlin Vieira. So how, how do you kind of view this matchup, man? Yeah, you know, I feel like Vieira's kind of been halted by that that big knee injury that, you know, that she had, uh, the ACL. And, you know, it, it's definitely a concern. That's why... You know, we stayed off her in the return fight against Aldana just to see, man. But, man, to be honest, like, I don't think she looked bad uh, in the lead-up to that knockout. And Aldana just, in my opinion, has way faster hands, more power. Like, Aldana's got, like, plenty of knockouts, you know what I'm saying? So, it... uh It's not that... I mean, it was surprising, but, like, she has knocked out people before. So, um well, Eubanks, man, to be honest, like, I think she's tough, but I'm not ready to just jump. I know, I feel like this fight's, like, a lot of recency bias. Like, I feel like Vieira's coming off the, the KO loss, and she's coming off the biggest win of her career. But in hindsight, and to be honest, I, I kind of saw it myself, but I still didn't think, I, I truly believe that Julia Avila was completely overrated in that spot. She was coming off a win over Gina fucking Mazzani, who can't fight for shit, and uh, fucking Penny Kianzad, who I bet Avila in that fight, but I bet it because Kianzad was coming in off the couch one week notice, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was, I feel like, to, for her to be minus 300 in that spot was somewhat of a joke, and I'm not going to say the only reason why Eubanks won that fight was because of the jiu-jitsu advantage, but I feel like that was the main reason why she won that fight. She's a black belt. Avila's like a blue-purple belt, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was a big mismatch on the ground. Props to Sajar for getting the job done. Uh, You know, Avila was super overrated. Not saying that she's, like, a bad fighter or anything, but just in that spot versus, you know, one chick who's been in there with Aspen Ladd and all these other girls versus, you know, Gina Mazzani, Marion Renault, and, you know, all those girls. So, you know, I feel like uh, I'm not ready to jump the gun on Eubanks because I still saw signs of her fatiguing, man. I just, I really feel like she was able to bail herself out with the wrestling and the grappling. I don't think she's going to have that advantage here in this, uh, in this Ketlin Vieira fight, but I do have concerns if Ketlin's still the same person and i heard petanera has got COVID and he hasn't uh and he's not making the trip so you know i know she lost the coach but i still think Vieira's is the better fighter man i just feel like she needs a, a, a slightly lesser competition than arena aldana's in a number one contender fight right now just slightly lesser competition to get her confidence back 
and I and I, and when I saw Sajara get up get up from uh, some of those grappling exchanges against Avila, I saw the same stationary girl that was tired. But Avila had never felt that type of grappling pressure before in her career. Man, she completely folded. So I'm still gonna go with Kellen Vieira here. Do I have some concerns about the knee? And if that knee, does she trust that knee? Because if I'm not mistaken, man, it, it took her a while to come back from that knee injury, like two years. So you know, uh, it could have been like one of those cruise type of knee injuries, man, or, you know, who knows, but I still think Kellen's the better fighter, even though, uh, maybe I'm not as high on her as was, I still saw something in her, you know, from before and she made it to number two. So I'll still go with her for the win. Yeah. And, and I gotta say something else, man. Uh, I feel like Sajara Eubanks jujitsu. I know she's a black belt. I feel like her jujitsu could be even better had she not left her original camp. Cause like there were some spots in that Avila fight where like I was thinking like you know if Sarge's jujitsu was you know as uh as polished as it once was, she might have even won by submission. But you know she uh, she couldn't hold the top position as well as she used to. So I actually feel like even though she's still a black belt, you can't take it away from her. I don't feel like, you know, she's uh, it's as tight as it once was, if you know what I mean. But what I got to say about this fight, I'm not worried about, you know, Ketlin Vieira getting one punch knocked out again here. That that was, you know, kind of an anomaly. Credit to Irene Aldana. She's got good hands. It is what it is. We were high on Ketlin Vieira for a reason. Now, did we exaggerate a little bit? I thought she could be someone to challenge Amanda Nunes. That's not the case. But still, we're still talking about the top five. And while I do respect Sajara Eubanks, you know, she's come a long way. And the fact that she won the second and third rounds of her last fight speaks volumes that she has been improving. This is a different kind of fight because, you know, Avila, like you said, wasn't used to that kind of pressure and never been, you know, in there like, you know, with a with a with a serious black belt. Well, Ketlin's a serious black belt, too. So I see there being a lot of grappling exchanges. I think this fight's mostly going to take place on the mat. They're going to scramble a lot. But I see uh, Vieira getting the better of that. So I'm going to slightly lean with Ketlin Vieira to get it done. But I got my questions, too, and I'll be paying full attention, Shaq. Featured bout in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Kai Kara France. He's twenty-one and eight, and Brandon Royval is eleven and four. Currently, they got Kai Kara France minus two thirty-five. The comeback on Brandon Royval is plus one ninety-five. So, another interesting fight, Shaq. I'm gonna go ahead and say this. I think Kai Kara France is a little bit overrated, and let me explain what I mean by that, man. Uh, so officially, you know, what, he's like 4-1 and one in the UFC or something like that. But, man, I feel like some of those wins are kind of questionable. And let me explain what I mean. I feel like he straight up lost to Howley and Paiva. You know, and it was in New Zealand. And a lot of these fights are in New Zealand. He's getting some favorable decisions. And then the Tyson Nam fight, if Tyson Nam could just throw this much more Tyson Nam's winning that fight. I mean, Tyson Nam was clearly landing the harder shots. I mean, the much more impactful shots were landed by Tyson Nam. It's just that there's so many minutes of inactivity, and that's honestly what cost him. It wasn't a matter of, you know, Kai being this better fighter or, or, or him outclassing Tyson Nam. It was just he threw slightly more. But you, we, we both know who landed the harder shots in that fight. And maybe if that wasn't in New Zealand, maybe it could have been a split. But bottom line, not to discredit any of his wins, but I'm just saying, his only true wins where he showed dominance was Mark De La Rosa, who everybody shows dominance against, and Elias Pettis, which I don't got to say anything else. So it's been kind of sketchy, man. I feel like his record's misleading. And with Brandon Royval, you know, 
I like this kid, not just because he cashed for us against uh, Tim Elliott at Dog Odds, but even you go back to his regional scene, you watch that fight he won for the LFA title. I mean, the kid's hell on wheels. He overwhelms his opponents. He goes out there hard. Now, the one big criticism I have is his takedown defense. But if you look at the numbers, statistically speaking, uh, Kai Car France lands 0.6 takedowns per 15 minutes. So I guess the big worry here is that overhand right of uh, of uh, Kai Car France. I think that's going to be his big weapon here. But, man, Royval, I like these guys from Factory X. You know, the Chris Gutierrez is the Brandon Royvals. All these kids have been going out there. They've been showing improvements from the lighter weight classes. So Don't forget about my boy Youssef. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, Yusuf Zalal, you know what I mean? We could go on. Uh, I feel like they got a good thing going there. This is a tough fight to call. If Kai Car France had more of a takedown game, I'd be more inclined to understand the price. But since he doesn't, and also I got to say Roy Val, you know, after he got that 50K, he quit his job. Now he's training full time. So you can only imagine the kind of improvements a young kid like that's going to make. And it's not in New Zealand, so we're not going to have uh, – you know, anyone uh, that's uh, friends with Kai Car France judging the fight. I don't know. I think this is a dog or pass situation, and I'm going to go out on a limb and actually take the dog here to upset Kai Car France. Yeah, man, I think this might be the fight I'm looking forward to the most because, you know, Kai Car France, man, I, I, I'm not going to say he's overrated, but at the same time, just knowing I've been a fan of uh, Raw Dog, Roy Val for a while, man, for, since, like, Man, I've been watching him on Access TV for some years, man. Like, he started his career on Access TV, man. So, like, he's a – I got to see him grow. I know he's got some L's. He fought Casey Kenny, a couple other guys he lost to. But, you know, uh, this kid has the biggest heart, man. Like, you can, like to, – to actually, like, beat Roy Val, you're going to have to beat his ass all night because he's not going to stop. Like, he's not going to stop coming after you. He's Even if you take him down, he's going to be elbowing the shit out of you, throwing up triangles, throwing up arm bars, you know. And Kaikara France, man, I, I one thing I, – I think he's got big bombs. I think he's one of the hardest hitters one – one of the harder hitters in the division for sure. But at the same time, I, one thing I've always questioned about Kaikara France, even dating back to his ultimate fighter days was his heart you know I feel like uh, he's a guy that can be sunk you know I feel like he's a guy that if things are not going well that he will start to 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 fade and I've, I I feel like technically speaking he's got some big tells as well I know he likes to swing those big hooks upstairs and, and knock dudes out but you know, in the process of doing that, man, I noticed that he ducks his head down literally like every before every single exchange. And Moreno picked up on that so fast, man, and absolutely, you know, embarrassed, like embarrassed. And Moreno was, you know, throwing those check knees up the middle. And then Kaikar France was completely shut down because he ducks his head down for literally everything, you know. So I and Roy, well, the reason I say that is because Roy Val is known for the flying knee. So, you know, uh, he better be very, very careful with a guy like Roy Val. Look, Roy Val's takedown defense is, is complete shit, yes. But at the same time, he's a flyweight, man. It's okay to give up takedowns at flyweight. Like, it's we know what the game is at flyweight. It's a scramble fest, you know what I'm saying? Like, you give up position, get position, back and forth, like, do the whole bit, and he's a black belt on the map, man. Don't sleep on Reval's submission ability, and and you know that Elias Pettis fight you bring up, man. I remember Elias Pettis uh, had Kai Car French dropped and in a triangle, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, 
And I completely agree with, with Paiva uh, getting the. I feel like if that fight was in Las Vegas, he would have won. But we know the crowd in, in New Zealand, uh, you know, swayed the judges. And, and, and let's just be honest here. Just knowing my experience from people from Australia and New Zealand, I mean, they've told me personally, like, they got a thing called hashtag Aussie judges. I mean, it's like, it's like bro, you never know what the Aussie judges are going to do. Like, like uh, so I, I, I actually, I agree. It's dog or pass. Um uh, but man, I feel like Roy Val is gonna surprise a lot of people, and not maybe necessarily win, but at, at least win a round or two, give him a really good sweat, man. I'm telling you, this kid, once he cleans up this wrestling and once he gets a boxing coach, man, like this kid's gonna be a real problem. Uh, and I do feel like Card Car France uh, is a guy that can be sunk. It's just a matter of like. You know, Roy Val does fight with his hands down, and you know Kai Car is swinging some some heavy uh, some heavy heat upstairs. So it wouldn't shock me if he if he ran through him early and, and Roy Val under us. But man, if this fight hits the second and Kai Car is a little fatigued, you're gonna see that the Latin American uh, a warrior Brandon Roy Val start to turn it up, man, and and do what I like to call get hood in there. And Kai and Kai Car friends don't like when his opponents get hood in there, man. So. And like you said, the Tyson Nam fight, look, Tyson Nam's been doing his thing and being a beast, but, you know, man, like you said, it, it was more so if Tyson, if Tyson could just throw slightly more, I, I don't think Roy Val's going to have that problem, but it wouldn't shock me if Roy Val just lost on the points just because, I mean, look, if you, if you just touch Roy Val's legs, he's probably going to go down, but he better be ready for the triangles, man. So let me ask you this. Do you think it's a lock that if this fight goes all three rounds that Kai Kara France wins? Well, we're assuming he's going to win the first round. Like m- more than likely, right? We're we're I don't, I mean, are are we? <laughs> Cuz you know Roy Val's going to come right at him, that's the thing. I mean, Roy Val doesn't stop, man. He, he's crazy, you know. <laughs> it's really about it's honestly, you know, they're both finishers, man. You know, Roy Val's a finisher with the submissions, man. Um, black belt, but yeah, uh, I don't know, man. I do feel like it could be lying closer. People are sleeping on on Brandon. You know, they say uh, Tim gassed out, but nah, man. What Tim gassed out due to due to the fact that every time he kept taking Roy Val, he'd pop right back up or threaten with an arm bar, having to get constantly back up. And Roy Val can put pressure on those dudes. And like I said. Kai Kara's got that big tail with the with the head uh, dropping of the head, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think the the difference between you know this fight and the Elliott fight is the Elliott fight was just basically a seven minute grappling match, whereas this is going to be a lot more striking. So you're going to get to see more of that striking arsenal. So it's just like a different kind of fight, you know. Another thing, man, those Factory X uh, bantamweights, man, they fight with spirit, man. I know Gutierrez just. Uh, fought our fought our fought our boy, but you know he he did come back after taking the ass whooping. You know, uh, Yusef's undefeated, probably about to remain undefeated. Um, and then uh, Jonathan Martinez, he's he's doing his thing. You know, um, and the kid uh, on Contender Series, man, he just beat that. Uh, what's the kid's name? Uh, Anglin. Uh, he beat that. He right. looked good. Yeah, like he fucking he's solid. So, yeah. And speaking of our boy Cody Durden, uh, fight news coming soon. You guys are going to like uh, his next fight. Very, very exciting matchup. Now, Shaq. Next up, 
in the light heavyweight division, the co-main event for the vacant light heavyweight title, or as we like to say, uh, for John Jones' interim title, we got Dominic the Devastator Reyes. Dominic the Devastator Reyes, he's twelve and one, and Jan Blachowicz is twenty-six and eight. I, I had a double take. I didn't realize he's lost eight times, but then again, he's turned his career around. Currently, they got Dominic Reyes minus two seventy. The comeback on Jan Blachowicz is plus 230. Where do we begin with this fight? I mean, I feel like Jan Blahovich is very, very underrated, especially like it's so easy to look at his record from his early UFC run and say shit like, well, no guy that lost to Pat Cummins is touching UFC gold. And But something changed. Like, I thought the Jan Blachowicz 2.0 shit was, at first was like, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, you know, like laughing it off. But like, it really is something. I mean, to for him to get to a title shot speaks volumes about the improvements he's been making. Now, he publicly admitted, he said he's got a new doctor, a new team. So I don't know what that means. But what I do know is that the results have been showing. And with Dominic Reyes, I got, I got to give him a lot of respect as a fighter. You know, he's massive for the weight class. He's a southpaw. He's tough to deal with. I feel like there's a couple of misconceptions. You know, people think he's some knockout artist. I view him as more of a point fighter. I mean... Let's be honest. How many top 15 guys in the light heavyweight division has he knocked out? Zero. So, uh, you know, the only people he's knocked out are, are middleweights. And, you know, Weidman, no big deal. Jared Cannonier, got to give you all the credit in the world. But that's a middleweight. You know, that's, uh, you know, 20 pounds below you. But in the top 15 of light heavyweight, the only guys he's fought at light heavyweight that, you know, are ranked are Volkan Uzdemir, which... I personally thought he edged it, but I mean, every time I watch that fight, I score it differently. But when I watched it recently, I edged it for Reyes, but a lot of people thought Volcan got robbed. I remember people saying Volcan got robbed. And then the other big fight he had at light heavyweight was John Jones, which he also lost. Now I'll tell you what I don't like, man. I don't like Dom Reyes' attitude, and man, anytime he opens his mouth, I'm like, <laughs> it's really cringe. So it's one of those things where it's like, you know, like, you hate to use these fucking terms like just shut up and fight because, you know, everybody's got freedom of, of, of speech and you should be able to express yourself and say what you want. But like, God damn, this guy is cringy. But as far as his skills, you can't deny those. So that being said, about the John Jones fight, hey, he went out there, won those first two rounds, made me sweat on John Jones big time. But winning the first two rounds does not mean does not mean you won the next three rounds and you know he started to slow down try to coast a little bit and that's where that championship heart of John Jones came in and now after that fight he's been crying robbery now he's been saying he didn't have enough time to get ready for Jan Blakovich so I don't like the things I've been hearing from the Dominic Reyes side but that being said that might not even matter they're still going to get into a fist fight on a Saturday night now one interesting thing Shaq is because you know Dominic Reyes he's six foot five so you think he's got this massive reach it's actually Jan Blakovich that's got a reach advantage in this fight interestingly enough and Jan Blakovich he's very underrated you know like, like like we said at the beginning of the show flies under the radar and he's a guy that can sneak up on you and he's just a smart intelligent fighter comes in with good game plans and clearly He's been making improvements because you remember when Corey Anderson laid on him the first time. It's like the guy couldn't even get back up. They fight again. He destroys him in the first round. So I, I do think this is Jan 2.0. The question is, Shaq, is Jan 2.0 good enough to become a UFC light heavyweight world champion on Saturday night? Yeah, man, because, you know, I feel like 205, you know, has always been like, 
I don't want to say because look, the division's got great fighters, but just in terms of like outside of John Jones, I've always felt like it's kind of been somewhat of a joke, man. <laughs> like for the longest time, we had guys like Alexander Gustafsson who were considered like number one contenders and shit. I'm and I'm just saying to myself like, what the fuck? <laughs> like Alexander Gustafsson's your number one contender. Anthony Smith is your number one contender. Like, oh my God, like, uh, you know, Johnny Walker was about to be in a fucking title fight, <laughs> like, you know, uh, so I feel like now that John Jones has, uh, you know, left, man, it, it's kind of fun because, you know, it's everyone's hungry, everyone feels like they're, feels like they're close and it's not going to take too much in that division now to, to get up there to those ranks, man, so uh, I feel like Blackovich, man, don't forget, he, I remember... I remember around the times he fought uh, Jared Cannonier, man. I remember he was an underdog against Cannonier. Uh, I think the fight was in Canada. I remember everyone and their mama was on Cannonier saying he was going to stop Blackovich in, in less than two rounds. And then Jan came out there and absolutely put a clinic on him <laughs> on short notice. I think around that time, I was like, man, Jan actually looked really good. Man. <laughs> like That dude looked really good. And then it turned into him beating Jimmy Manawa in O2 Arena. I mean, the place was packed. Like, Jan was public enemy number one, the rematch. And Jan absolutely beat the living shit out of Jimmy Manawa in his hometown. And then I was like, damn, bro. And it, as a two-to-one underdog, like, you know, we we underestimated uh, Jan again. Then I know he had that setback to, to Santos, who also had a split decision with, uh, with John Jones. And then, you know, I kind of thought he was probably going to be done. But then, you know, he puts Nikita in one of them things and uh you know Nikita has to go home and then we think Luke Rockhold's gonna take him down and that's gonna be it and then next thing you know Luke Rockhold's on the canvas uh you know sleeping and then uh you know he had that fight with Jacques Ray which I thought he won four rounds to one but for for whatever reason they uh said that Jacques Ray won some rounds but you it know, was in Brazil yeah you know it was in Brazil and they gave Jacques I was like confused but you know uh and then they and then Corey Anderson thought he had a title shot in the bag after he uh, beat Johnny Walker. I feel like it's a common thing, a common theme. People keep thinking they have shit in the bag against Jan Blakovich. Like and I feel like truthfully, I don't want to I don't because I like Reyes and I, and I said he would have a good fight with John Jones. But man, he is showing me all signs that he is falling right into this trap, man, because I know now he's singing a different tune, but a couple months ago, if you would have heard some of the shit this guy was saying, you know, like he, he was saying Jan Blakovich was, you know, too slow, a fool, like no chance he can beat him. Now he's giving him respect. Now he's backpedaling a little bit because the moment's here and it's a little closer. And, you know, I feel like Reyes, look, he's faster, longer, sharper than Blackovich, the better athlete, maybe even, uh, you know, better takedown defense and whatnot. But sometimes these things don't matter because we've been saying the same shit for all of Jan's opponents. He's better here. He's faster. He's younger. Blase, blase. But sometimes, man, when that Polish power touches your chin, it does not matter. <laughs> you know, it does not matter. And if you get caught, and I feel like Reyes, man, he does drop that right hand down a little bit after he jabs, but he is a physical specimen. But 
you know, for me to be playing him at minus two something against a guy like Jan, who's in the best spot of his career, you know, look, I thought he had a good fight with John Jones, but he lost, <laughs> you know, you know, I, he knocked out Chris Weidman. I'm, I'm pretty sure Jan Blakovic would knock Chris Weidman out in the first round as well. <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, he had a questionable decision. I mean, I thought he won, but it was a close decision against Volcanoes Demir, you know, uh, then, like you said, he beat, you know, Jeremy Kimball and some other bums, you know. So, like, you know, I feel like uh, he's a good athlete, but he's got a lot to lose in the spot. And, man, fuck it. I'll go with Jan. I, I think he's going to shock everyone and, and get the left foot KO, knock Reyes out unconscious. Sometimes it's not a uh, matter who's the who's the better fighter, man. It's a it's a matter of who's the more focused fighter, who's the, the more humble fighter. And I, and I feel like that's Jan Blakovich. And I'll take him for the win. It's a uphill battle because he's nowhere near the athlete of Reyes. But, you know, Reyes is still young in his career. Like, I still feel like he's prone to make a, a couple major mistakes, man. He's only got, what, 10, 11, 12 fights, somewhere in that range. You know, so, like, I still feel like he's a developing fighter. Granted, he's gotten to this point, which is super impressive. But, man, I feel like Jan Blakovich on Saturday night might get picked, might get uh, rewarded for this serious comeback that he's putting in his career. And he, I think he's going to get rewarded for his hard work. So I'm going to go with uh, Jan Blackhoach. So uh, real quick, I want to read the history of the light heavyweight division since, uh, you know, 2004, because it's literally been musical chairs up until, uh, you know, John Jones won the belt. So check this out. Randy Couture got it in 2004. Chuck Liddell got it in 2005. He defended it four times. Then Rampage Jackson got it. He defends it once. Then Forrest Griffin got it. Zero defense. Rashad got it. Zero defenses. Lyoto Machida got it. One controversial defense against Shogun. Then they rematch. Shogun got it. Zero defenses. Then the great John Jones comes in there and gets eight straight defenses. But, you know, all, all that bullshit about, you know, this and that. They strip him. So then Cormier gets it. Three defenses. Then, back, and then they give it back to daddy. Uh, John Jones gets it again. And uh, he defends it three more times, and it, it basically to a point. How, how many defenses my boy John Jones have? Like, uh, like eleven defenses, but like it should be more because one of them was an interim fight with with uh, with OSP and stuff. So really, between you and me, he's got like fourteen, fifteen t uh, title defenses. It just sucks that like John Jones doesn't have the uh, the most wins in UFC uh, history and the most streak and and the longest win streak just because of that bullshit. Um, called by Steve Mazzagatti. He really ruined, you know, not not to say he ruined legacy, but he ruined stuff for the record books. So that that's really a shame. But that being said, here with Reyes and Blahovich, look, I kind of agreed with the opening line, you know, minus 200 for Reyes. Okay, I understand, but, you know, minus 270 to minus 300. I, I think, once again, people are sleeping on Jan Blahovich. So I don't know. I, it's definitely a dog or pass situation, and it's hard for me because, I try not to let bias get in the way, but it's like every time I hear Reyes open his mouth, I'm like, it's facepalm. It's the cringiest shit I've ever heard. He really ain't the brightest. So I'm going to slightly edge Reyes here just because he gave Jones that tough fight. But, like, dude, this might be a situation where you pick Reyes and bet Jan Blakovich just because of the betting odds. I mean, plus 230 on Jan Blakovich in a title fight, a uh, against a guy that's underestimating him where you know this is everything that Jan Blakovich he's had this long career 
It's a dogger pass situation. I'll slightly edge Reyes, but uh, who knows? Who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe we end up taking uh, Blachowicz at the betting window anyway, so we'll see what happens. Main event of the evening for the middleweight strap. And like I said, this is the first time officially since Machida versus Rashad that we have two undefeated fighters fighting for a UFC title, but the, the first unofficial time since John Jones versus DC the first time. Israel Adesanya, the middleweight champion, he's 19-0, and Paulo Boracinha Costa is 13-0. Currently, they got Israel Adesanya minus 185. The comeback on Paulo Costa is plus 160. So I got to say this, Shaq. I'm going to let you go first, but I got to say this. Vegas, the odds makers, showed a lot more respect to Paulo Costa than the public is. Vegas were like, uh, minus 140 is, you know, he's the champ. Let's slightly favor him. No big deal. Vegas, I mean, excuse me, the public is saying, no, no, two to one is the Adesanya. So I feel like Vegas showed more respect, and I feel like the public isn't showing any respect. Where do you stand on the matter? Yeah, man, great fight. Two great fighters, two undefeated dogs in there, man, going at it for the belt. Adesanya's been doing his thing. He's got the swagger. He's got the confidence. You know, he knocked out Robert Whitaker unconscious, had a great fight with Kelvin Gaslam. I was there live. It was definitely a crazy experience. Great fight. And uh, his last fight with Yoel Romero, he had a lot to lose and he kind of had to play things safe and he got the job and he got the job done. Uh, and just all his performances, man, have always been on point. So really not much bad things to say about uh about uh, skill wise about Izzy, you know, uh, other than maybe he's a little chinny, but then Paulo Costa on there, man, I've been hyping this guy up for the longest time back, even uh, back when he fought Johnny Hendricks, man, I was telling people like, yo, this dude, Paulo Costa, I know he hasn't fought anybody, but keep an eye out on this motherfucker. Cause I ain't never seen a, 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 you know, a specimen like that. Who's as fast with the footwork, with the body shots and the boxing, the pressure, how he doesn't give none of these guys space to move. But every time people kept telling me, oh, he hasn't fought anybody, he hasn't fought anybody, you know. So then he uh, fought Uriah Hall, you know, put him down. People wanted to discredit that, saying that he got popped with a jab or something like that. I mean, look, it's a fight. Like, like did he not expect to take a punch? Like it's Uriah Hall. Like Uriah Hall's a good striker. Like, like you don't think he's going to land not one jab or anything like, and I feel like that whole thing that he was popping his head back is a, is a stretch. Like he might've landed a few jabs, but from what I saw, man, was a dude on the back foot the entire time, you know, running for his life. I mean, cause he has to, I mean that with that fucking specimen chasing you down and cutting you off like that, there's really not much things to do. And can you tell me anything else Uriah Hall threw in that fight? Nothing, because if he threw anything else, he would have gotten knocked out unconscious in the first round. And I truly believe that if it had, you know, some of those body shots not been mistaken as low blows, that he would have gotten stopped in the first round because there was like two or three breaks. So I feel like Paulo uh, Costa got robbed of a first round stoppage, but hey, he bounced back. I bet him against uh, the soldier of God. They said Yoel doesn't lose to non top five guys, but hey, he lost to Paulo Costa. And who have you ever seen fight Yoel Romero in the manner of which he did? Now, it might have not been the, the cleanest performance, but dudes when fight Yoel, they try to tip and run him. You know, they try, they try to, to avoid, you know, avoid the fight, you know, like. 
don't get anywhere uh, close to him. But Paulo Costa is a different animal. He walked Yoel Romero down, dropped him clean with punches. You don't see that too many times against Yoel. So I'm super high on Paulo Costa. I feel like it's two great fighters, man. Two great fighters. You know, as far as the matchup, I, 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 I look. I'm not saying that Paulo Costa can't gas, but I just think that everyone's singing the same tune of, you know, if he if Israel can make it to round three, you know, the, it's going to start going the other way. And I just, I, I disagree, man. I don't think Paulo Costa's cardio is that bad, man. <laughs> like, I feel like he pushes a very good pace. And, you know, this whole notion that he's just a, a basic power brawler puncher, like, I see a guy with good footwork, good head movement, good parries, mixes it up with the kicks, those spinning head kicks as well, like, I feel like Paulo Costa gets slept on skill-wise, man, just due to because of these muscles. Think, uh, you know, the whole inflated balloon animal, man. I feel like Izzy's making a mistake. I feel like he's severely, severely underestimating him, and that's kind of the uh, a lot of the case with you know some of these Captain Eric Albert scene fighters. You know, they got these gimmicks and people don't take them seriously, man. But when it comes to title fights, when it comes to to big moments, man. You know, his fighters win. And I'm not saying that uh, City Kickboxing doesn't have a good gym, but I feel like Captain Eric's truly one of the best coaches of all time. So, uh, you know, I'm going to go with Paulo Costa. I think he is going to pressure Israel Adesanya. And, you know, this whole thing, if y'all want to play minus 170 and and bank that Paulo Costa is going to gas out, by all means, go ahead. But is he going to make it to round three? Because, you know, one thing y'all want to say, you know, Hall was popping him with the jab, this and that, which is true. And he slow, he lost the third round to Romero, which Yoel pretty much wins a lot of third rounds. But, you know, what about when short, pudgy, slow Kelvin Gastelum was <laughs> closing the distance on Israel Adesanya in the ATL and, and touching him with head kicks and, and punches, you know what I'm saying? Although I thought Izzy did good work in that fight, I saw moments where I'm like, man, if Paulo Costa – got some of these angles and close the distance on him like that. I, I truly believe that he will knock him out. And I do feel like there's a lot of emotion in this fight, you know, some good, some bad. And, and I, I see it favoring Paulo Costa's way. I know it's an, I'm in the minority, but I'm going to go with Paulo Costa by knockout within the first two rounds. And I think he's going to become the, uh, the new UFC champion, man. Yes. I cannot wait to break this fight down. Just real quick, Shaq. I wanted to tell you a little bit of breaking news. Uh, the fans might not really care, but I know you're going to care. Uh, Best Fight Pick sponsored athlete, Robert Hale. Uh, so Micah Miller, you know, Cole Miller's brother, he pulled out. So we got a new opponent. His name is Warren Smith. So Robert Hale is fighting Warren Smith uh, in December. So we're going to get a dub there. Now, let's break down this main event real quick between Paulo Boracinha and uh, Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya. So... First thing I want to say, just because it's at the top of my head, let's talk about this Uriah Hall fight with uh with Paulo. So I am absolutely disgusted that people are using the fact that Uriah Hall was was jabbing him up as like evidence or as like, you know, a knock on Paulo. Because first of all, what's the one thing we've always praised Uriah Hall for? And what's the one thing we've always criticized Uriah Hall for? Have we ever criticized Uriah Hall because, oh, he can't punch or he can't kick? 
No, it's always been about the mentality with Uriah Hall. The thing with Uriah Hall, his entire career has always been he's this very scary striker, but you know, sometimes he doesn't believe in himself. Sometimes he won't pull the trigger. Sometimes he doesn't show up. So the fact that Uriah Hall was letting his strikes go, now we're going to use that against him and be like, oh, it was Uriah Hall. Like, guys, we've always known Uriah Hall can strike. So how the hell are you going to use that against Paulo that a very good striker was landing strikes in a fist fight you guys know Uriah Hall's got good striking the issue with Uriah Hall's always been the mental side of things so don't even try to twist things and throw that bullshit my way and let, let's be honest about what actually happened Boracina walked him down and knocked him out in seven minutes face planted him I mean so those are the facts Shaq and what I like about Boracina's style is that, you know, it's easy to sit here and act like he's some guy that closes his eyes and wings hooks. And that's not the case. You look at the numbers, because when you talk about guys that just randomly throw hooks here and there, they don't put up the kind of strike numbers that Boracina puts up. Boracina's going out there throwing 10-strike combinations to the body up top. Who else has knocked down Yoel Romero with a left hook? I'll wait. I mean, I know Fei Zhao dropped him with a spin back in strike force, but aside from that, l- let me know. I know Adesanya didn't. Uh, uh, you know what happened in the Adesanya versus Yoel fight? Because I know people are going to be like, well, Adesanya beat Yoel too. Oh, so you're conveniently ignoring uh, how that fight went down, right? You're conveniently ignoring that Yoel threw one punch the entire fight, that one punch landed, and then he never threw again. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, dude, and you know, Izzy didn't fight him nothing like uh, what Paulo did, but that's no, that's not a big deal. You don't got to brawl Yoel Romero. That's he, Izzy did the right thing, being smart, keeping it on the outside, getting the leg kicks going. The thing is that unlike Yoel Romero, who, you know, fights in spurts and takes rounds off, which, you know, cost him the belt against uh, Robert Whitaker when he won the first uh, two rounds, took the next three off or the second time where he took the first three rounds off and then, and then started fighting in the fourth and fifth. It's like Paulo Costa isn't going to do that. Now, I guess my biggest concern with Paulo Costa is, is fading down the stretch, but I got to say, He's good at catching that second win, and I'm not going to sit here and make any accusations and this and that. He's passed every drug test he has, so I just think that the dude's a physical freak. I mean, when he, when people used to call Yoel a physical freak, I remember Shaq was like, well, I got the perfect specimen to meet Yoel Romero, and not only did he meet Yoel Romero, he fought him head on. He beat him at his own game. He went right after Yoel Romero. I've never seen anybody go right after Yoel Romero ever. Have you? Have you seen anyone go after Yoel? Nah, bro. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's an indication of the type of fighter, the type of dude we're dealing. Like, who, who in their right mind would go head up with Romero? <laughs> like, dudes don't try to fucking go head up with Romero. You tip and run him for your dear life and try to win a decision. You know? Yeah. And look, there, there's no discredit to the great Izzy Adesanya. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan. I was in attendance with Shaq when he beat Kelvin Gastelum. I, I think he's an unbelievable fighter. I like his personality. I love the stance switching, the jab, the straights, uh, how precise he is, that clinic he put on Brunson. I mean, he's so damn accurate, his striking arsenal. Even even his ground game's getting better. I mean, he was the one attacking for subs against Kelvin Gastelum, so he's ever-improving. I, I think he's... One of the one of the better middleweights you've ever seen. Even though he's only got one title defense under his belt, 
I still think that he's one of the best middleweight champions we've ever seen, bar none. I think he's unbelievable. But I think styles make fights, Shaq, and I think I'd be very uncomfortable laying minus money against a guy like Paulo Bohacina. I mean, like, you see that plus 160 on Paulo Costa, and, and it's all, you know gambling is about the price. And this was minus 110 a piece. Okay, I, I understand. And, and we can make a case for both sides, no doubt about it. You know, we could say about Izzy popping the jab and this and that. But, like, yeah, he's going to pop the jab. But what's going to happen when those 10 shots come back at him? That's what I'm worried about. So, you know, uh, I, I think it's one of those things where uh, it's going to be a very, very tough fight. And uh, I, I think that Paulo Boachina, I don't think it's KO or bust because he puts up the kind of numbers where he can win a decision. So... This is a very good fight. I think it's a dog or pass situation at this current price. And I'm going to go with uh, Paula Bohacina and new champion. You know, he's got Eric Albersine with him. You know, he's got the right strength and conditioning. I think this is going to be the fight where he shows up the best of his abilities and wins. And I could see, you know, I hate saying the whole, if they fight 10 times, it could be 10 different outcomes just because I want to be right the one time they fight. But I could literally see this being, you know, having a rematch, having a trilogy. I could see these guys being longtime rivals. But this Saturday night in Abu Dhabi at Fight Island, I'm going to go with Paulo Bohacina to become the new UFC middleweight champion. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC 253? I'm going to say William Knight versus uh, Alexa Kamora, man. I know uh, these guys are relatively unknown, but, man, I feel like it's a good, uh, it could be a fun matchup, man, because Knight, he's short for the division, but lots of power. And Kamora, he's a tough kid, but he strikes me as a guy where I, I see – him getting dropped a lot in his future, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but now nah, he's a tough kid. He had that flying knee on the contender series, so I feel like uh, there's a good chance someone gets finished. For me, uh, my fight to watch is going to be Brandon Royval versus uh, Kai Kara France. I mean, I feel like Brandon Royval, every time he fights, it's complete chaos. He's going to come right after Kai Kara France, and France isn't really known for laying on people. He's known for that big overhand right. So regardless of who wins this fight, this is going to be another exciting flyweight fight, and I think they got it the featured bout right before the title fights for a reason because they know it's going to be chaos. So for that reason, that's my fight to watch. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC 253? My fighter to watch is in the main event. It's Paulo the Eraser Costa. It's been a long time coming to this spot. He's fighting the man right now, Adesanya. You know, this would be a, a big win for the country of Brazil if he was able to get this belt. I know uh, his, his somewhat teammate, Figueiredo, just won the belt, so I know Waleed Ishmael would, would get his uh, second UFC champion. And, you know, that would be a great moment for them. But I, I think the guy's, you know, severely getting slept on. And, uh, you know, I want to see Izzy make him look silly this weekend. So uh, that's, what I'm, uh, that's what I'm waiting for. For me, my father to watch is Jan Blachowicz. This is a guy that's truly come a long way, evolved his game, caught up with the times. I mean, and the evidence is he lost to Corey Anderson the first time, knocked him out the second time. He lost to Jimmy Manuel the first time, absolutely destroyed him the second time. This is a guy that's making leaps, that's taking things seriously. And, you know, at his current age, it's now or never. I feel like he's motivated to go out there and beat uh, an opponent that's underestimating him, that's got all the hype. And Jan's a guy that flies under the radar and comes through as the dog a lot. So I'm very interested to see if he does that Saturday night. So for that reason, he is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday night in Yas Island, Fight Island, Abu Dhabi. 
The fans can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. They can get our plays at bestfightpicks.com. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. We'll be back next week to break down the next card. I also wanted to make a quick mention. Um, I've been doing some written work and just some other kind of video content that's completely different than what we do on Half the Battle with line movement, so go check them out. And thank you guys all so much for your support. We truly appreciate it. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.